Amen. Good morning. Um, if you don't know, um, my, my daughter is three years old, and, and she loves to hear new stories. So this morning, um, I thought we would start with a little twist on one of her favorites. Once upon a time, there were three billy goats gruff who ate grass together on the hillside. Until one day, they looked around and realized that nearly all of the grass was gone, and they would have no more to eat. But as they looked across to the other hillside, on the other side of the valley, there was lush green grass naked to spot little goats off in the distance eating that grass. But unfortunately, the only way to the other side was to go across the river, and the only way across the river was over the old stone bridge. But under the old stone bridge lived the great big mean old troll who loved nothing more than to eat billy goats. So all three goats were afraid until the, the youngest was getting hungry and decided he had to get across somehow. So he went down to the river, he looked across at the old bridge, and he decided that's too scary, it's too much of a risk. So he turned the other way, he went the other way down the river until eventually he found an old stick bridge. And at this point, the river was so narrow, the water was flowing fast. And the little goat went clippity-clop, clippity-clop up onto the stick bridge. And as he clippity-clopped up, it began to creak and shake under his weight until at halfway, the bridge fell through and the little goat was lost in the water. The medium-sized goat was not all that impressed with what happened to the first goat and was similarly afraid of what may happen upon the old stone bridge. And so he lost hope and he turned around and he carried on eating little clumps of grass over the hillside, clump by clump, until he reached the edge of the desert and there was no more grass left. And the second billy goat was also lost there in the sand. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. The oldest Billy Goat, the, the wisest of the three, decided that the best hope was to go and see what was going on with this bridge. So he went down and carefully inspected the bridge from afar. He looked at one side and then he looked at the other side. He could see no sign of this troll. And so, eventually, with great trepidation, he went clip-clop, clip-clop clip-clop up onto the old stone bridge until he heard a voice. My little goat, at last you are here. Where are your two brothers? They were both lost. They were too afraid to cross this bridge. We were all afraid because we had heard of the troll. Who are you, sir? And where is the troll we were afraid of? I am the good shepherd, and I care for the flocks of this valley. I built this bridge so that you can have life, and I defeated the troll who was said to guard it. He cannot harm you. Come, little goat, and have life. There's a risk that we spend too much of our lives on the empty hillside, 
wishing that we could cross to the lush green grass, wishing that we could have that greater measure of life that comes with God's presence. But instead, we allow our our fears and worries and doubts to, to take over and turn us in every other direction instead of facing the concerns and taking them to God. Um, we're going to be going a few different pastures this morning. If you don't have uh, a Bible with you, please do uh, grab one from the back. We're going to be beginning in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus gives some advice to those who are dealing with questions and doubts and worries. Matthew chapter 7, and we'll be starting from verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Too often we, we hear these words of Jesus and you know on, on the surface we, we, we nod, yes, that's right, that, that all sounds good. But then actually in our heart of hearts, our inward response is often no. Uh, these, these worries, these doubts, these concerns, I'll, I'll keep them to myself. No, this is not for me, not now. I have got other things to do. We have, we have worries. I mean, life is full of worries, of, of issues, of doubts. You know, we often have a, a chaos of storms around us in, in different ways. And it can be really easy to, to say, I'm just going to ride out this storm, and, and then eventually I will deal with these things. Eventually I will cross over that bridge to the other side. And we try to find that same strength and hope that Jesus offers in other places. Or we, we let that fear take hold. I mean, maybe if you have um, kind of doubts or worries, concerns about your, your faith, maybe you're, you're afraid that actually, what if you do seek Jesus with all that you have and nothing happens? What if he's not there? What if he is there and actually doesn't listen to us. So again, it's so easy to, to think, actually, God just cares about these other people, not, not us. But Jesus' words are the same. Ask, seek, knock. But we convince ourselves often that that's not for us. Let's hop over to Acts chapter 2. can be in Acts 2 and verse 38. On the, on the day, this is the day that the church was born, and Peter is speaking to, to, to the crowd around him. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. In other words, the kingdom that was at hand, the kingdom that Jesus' whole ministry had been to bring to earth, it is for everybody near and far without exclusion. The gospel goes out without limit to all. This is the scope of the gospel. This is the scope of God's love and salvation. 
And to kind of focus our thoughts on that, we're, we're really we're going to be anchoring down this morning in Acts chapter 8. Um, so you follow over to it, Acts chapter 8, we'll be beginning in verse 26, um, where God um, kind of calls on one of, the, one of uh, the, the Christians there in Jerusalem. Acts eight twenty six. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south, towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So what do we know about this man from what's described here? First off, we know that he is a eunuch. Uh, what's a eunuch? It is a man who is no longer a man. And the, why, but why, why did this happen in, in, the, in the ancient world? I mean, this is actually quite a common practice for a couple of thousand years. Um, among the, the, the rich, the, the wealthy, the powerful royal families of the world, um, they often had highly esteemed servants who, as a condition of their employment, were to go through this process. And that meant that in the royal household, they could be trusted with the, with the uh, children and women of the, of the household. And they could also be trusted with a lot of uh, wealth and power because they weren't going to pass that on to their children. They weren't going to seek to build up anything for themselves. And so for, for this uh, eunuch in particular, I mean, he was in charge of all the treasure of the Queen of Ethiopia. I mean, we're unsure whether her name was Candace. We think maybe that the title of the Queen was the Candace. Might have been where it came from. Um, but we forget that for you know, millennia there was immense power and wealth all over the coast of Africa. I mean, right, right up until you know, the Europeans came along and messed that up back in like the 17th century, there was a lot of uh, kind of power and wealth and influence of, the, of the, the people and cultures. And this man in particular had risen to such a position where he had accumulated a lot of wealth and influence. And this is where it gets interesting because um, in Ethiopia, there was actually also an established community of Jews. Up back, back at the point where, where Martin left us at the end of um, Jeremiah, for the past 500 years, there's been a, a solid community of Jews who, who traveled down during the exile and, and set down roots there and, and, and built up a strong kind of home for themselves there. And so somewhere along the line, this eunuch had become intrigued by the God of Jerusalem. He had seen these Jewish um, communities uh, and, and people from the community going on pilgrimage up to Jerusalem, traveling the, the two and a half thousand miles from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem. And he'd been intrigued, so much so that he planned and funded a pilgrimage of his own. And again, two and a half thousand miles in, in, in his little chariot. I mean, that's between three and five months of travel either way, plus some time in the middle actually on his pilgrimage. So we're talking, that's about like asking for between you know, seven and 12 months off work in order to, to go on pilgrimage to, to seek the Lord. I mean, you know, ask, seek, knock. This, this guy is, is our role model here. This is amazing. 
But there is a big problem, a problem that he would have known was coming um, from the, the communities there, from, from him setting out on this journey, and that is that Jewish law states that eunuchs are not allowed in the assembly of God. In fact, it is impossible for a eunuch to convert to Judaism, if you stop and think about that. If you can't quite work it out, please do send an email to elders at hillview.cc. I'm sure they will happily help you out. Um, so our, our friend has been traveling for months, um, you know, across rock and road and, and sand and kind of wind and rain and storm, and finally arrives at the city of God in Jerusalem. He arrives at the temple, and he can't go in. He can't offer any sacrifices. He can't worship with God's people. He is an outsider, and there is no way in for him. He can stand outside in the Gentile courts, offering worship with the other nations, but there is a hard door, a hard gate, that he will never be able to cross. And I'm sure it was a wonderful experience for him. I mean, he clearly got a lot from his pilgrimage, but it just... You know, you've got to feel at some point he must have been like, God, where are you? Why, why did I come all this way? Do, do you even care? Why, why do I want to belong to a group of people that I can't belong to? Where, where is the hope here for me? Ask, seek, knock. After completing his pilgrimage, he eventually turns around to go home. He's seen everything he wants to see. He's done everything he wants to do. He needs to get home. He needs to get back to work in three to five months. Um, so he hops in his chariot and, and off he goes. Um, we don't really know where he got this scroll, presumably. I mean, this would be a memento from his trip. He's used his, his great wealth to, to buy an authentic scroll of Isaiah from one of the scribes there in Jerusalem. And he is kind of reading this scroll as he is on, our way, on his way home. And so he was kind of done with his pilgrimage. He was done with Jerusalem. He was done with his kind of, you know, big kind of God-seeking moment of his life. But as he turned to go home... God was not finished doing business with him. God picks one of the most faithful men in Jerusalem and appoints him and says, go, go to the desert. Go, see that chariot over there, run, catch it. There is somebody here that I want you to meet. God was not done doing business with our friend. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About him, himself, or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
The eunuch is reading from um, Isaiah 53, so I mean, please, please do, we'll, we'll hop over there in uh, just a second. He is puzzling through um, this passage. There is a compelling character here who, you know, been oppressed, afflicted, humiliated, no children, no hope for them in the future. And, and yet, you know, in verse 10 it says, he shall see his offspring. Who, who is this? You know, compelling character from Isaiah 53. I mean, the, the eunuch's reading it. Somebody like himself. There is no hope. There is no future for this person. And yet God seems to have a hope and a future for them. We don't know why he's here in this passage. We don't know if he's read all of Isaiah. And eventually, um, this is the moment where God was going to go and intervene. Or if he'd heard somebody else teaching from this area and was kind of intrigued. But he doesn't get it. He's kind of puzzling through it. He's, he's, he's still just re, you know, reading and reading, trying to figure out what's going on. And so starting here, Peter, op- uh, sorry, Philip opens up the scriptures with him to explore the good news about Jesus. Do you know the most wonderful thing about those who seek God earnestly? The most wonderful thing is that God invariably leads them. I've never heard of anybody who sought God with their heart and their soul and didn't find him, where God didn't step in and share of himself. They ask, he answers. They seek, he finds them. It's, it's, not, I mean, it's, it's not as easy as, you know, just ask and instantly something falls from the heavens, but we know that with that persistence that God always answers. They knock and he opens the door. It is no mistake that the eunuch was here in Isaiah 53 at this moment when God chose to intervene. And there's actually a lot of material here all the way through this last chunk of Isaiah that talks all about the hope that was to come through the kingdom of God. Um, it's easy to, to see lots of markers along here that they might have explored. I mean, hop over to so, uh, chapter 54 and verse 1. It says, Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. There's the same promise again. That for those who would have no children, that even then God would give them a family and a home and a future. This is what's available to us through the cross, through Jesus, as we enter into the family of God, as we worship with one another, as we kind of uh, apply into our family relationships together, and as we engage in discipleship together. I mean, these these, these are kind of great promises that we, we deal with today. Um, then as they, they get over to chapter 55, uh, verse 1, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. There is hope for everybody, no matter how weak, no matter how cast off, there is hope. And finally, let's go to Isaiah 56 and verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, 
who choose the, the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Can you, can you imagine this? For the eunuch who has just left Jerusalem, where he has stopped at the gate, where he is not allowed to go in and enter into the worship of God, he's not allowed to offer a sacrifice. And here in Isaiah, there is hope and a promise for him. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him, besides those already gathered. This isn't a new thing. This isn't a, a New Testament thing. It was always God's plan to bring the nations in. If you go through the Old Testament, you get to Abraham in uh, Genesis 12, and, and God is you know, talking to Abraham, I will um, you know, make you a, a, a nation, and all peoples on earth will be blessed by you. And then later, Moses would lead God's people out of slavery from Egypt. And there's a sense in which they're kind of being processed, led in procession among the nations. How great is our God who rescues the slaves, who rescues the, the helpless, who gives them a home and a hope and a future. And we're not going to go there, but there's actually a wonderful moment in 1 Kings 8 where uh, Solomon is... Um, praying for the temple that has been newly established. And he, he basically prays for this exact moment that we're, we're seeing in, in, in Acts chapter 8. He talks about, you know, oh Lord, when any um, foreigner comes and turns his face towards you and turns his face towards this place, would you meet them? Would you work? Would you, would you kind of meet them in that moment? And we know that ultimately this, this long thread through the Bible of God's mission to the nations would culminate in Jesus dying on the cross, not just for Jerusalem, for Judea, but for all sinners, all places, all times. If you remember Peter's words, for the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I love that God did this in, in Acts chapter 8. I love that he spoke in and, and did this thing. I mean, uh, officially, if, if, you, if, you know, if you know Acts, often we talk about you know, that the first Gentile convert was um, Cornelius in chapter 10, where, where God um, got uh, Peter and gave him a dream and sent him to him. But, you know, here we are, two chapters before that official first conversion. And God calls the actual first Gentile to him. 
You kind of got like a sneaky Gentile conversion that he gets in there two chapters early. He is not willing for this man who is seeking him to get turned away from his place. He's not willing for him to, to go home without kind of, kind of uh, being blessed in this moment. There's no, no reason for this to be held back. And so God works. Verse 36, and sorry, Acts 8, 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Think about it. What prevented him from becoming a Jew? But actually, water, water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. How amazing is that? It's a hope for the hopeless, where there is no future available to us in the world that God makes a way. So we've covered a lot of ground, a lot of pastures this, this morning. But, but what, what does this really mean for us today? Uh, I believe there's maybe three different ways that, that God is uh, speaking to us through these pastures. First of all, are you feeling distant from God today? Maybe it's just this week, this month. Maybe it's been going on for a very long time. Maybe You've never had a, a tangible, like, recognizable experience of God working in your life in an obvious way. Maybe there are big questions, big doubts, big worries that kind of linger there that make it kind of a scary thing to, to go over that bridge. And so we, we, we search for that life in other places or, or try and find other ways. You suspect that there is green grass there on the other side of the valley. You think there are others eating it, but you're not sure. Is that really available for me? Is that, is that something that, that I can enter into? We're too afraid to, to cross over and enjoy the life on the other side. But if that's you, let's heed Jesus' words. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Later on in in the same passage in in, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks more about his words, his, his teaching, and he says that his teaching is like a rock that we can build our lives upon that is strong and steady. And one of the best things about a rock is that you don't really have to be afraid of breaking it. That you can bring your questions, you can bring your doubts, you can bring your concerns, you can ask and seek, you can knock, and all that comes back in the end is discovering that that rock is solid and firm, and we can safely build our life upon it. So if we've got these kind of unvoiced questions and doubts, now is the time to deal with them, to, to bring them up, talk about them with other people, pray about them to God, seek God's word, open it up, read it, figure it out. Ask him to to share himself with you. It's great to explore these things, to take Jesus at his word. And if you particularly enjoy 
like going through uh, tough questions, or if you have a few that, that, that you want to, to, to go through, I would I'd highly recommend uh, the Alpha course if you've never uh, been to one, or even if, if you have. We've got a, a new Alpha uh, starting just at the turn of the year in, in January, and that's, that's a great place to kind of safely explore these kinds of questions together with other people asking the same kinds of questions and just, you know, puzzling all out together. It's great, you know, to, to, to have a, kind of a safe places to work through these things. So for some of us, if we're feeling distant, for, for others, perhaps like our Ethiopian eunuch friend, it feels a bit like life has derailed. There's not a clear hope and a future available to us today. Maybe you know, one time out, you know, long ago, there was a, a definite hope or, or dreams that we had that just haven't quite come together. And, you know, and, and now we're just not sure. Like, is, is there a hope for me? What's going to happen to me? Where will I be in, in five years, 10 years, 20 years? What, what, what should I hope for? And... If that's you, I would encourage you, please do follow the example of our Ethiopian eunuch friend. Let's press into God. Seek him. Ask for that path forward. Read and learn his words. I mean, it could be that if, if he hadn't made it, you know, 53 chapters into Isaiah, that he wouldn't have been in that place for God to reach out to him in that moment. God's word is wonderful, it is inspired, it has been given so that God can reveal himself to us in every age and stage of our lives. And it's all the more important to seek him together, to, to, to share our, 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 our worries, our, our doubts, our, our fears, to, to uh, kind of gather together. I mean, it's, it's great to be together on, on Sundays and to um, come to uh, small groups and, and uh, ladies' uh, groups and, and all, all these sorts of things. I mean, there's so many opportunities for us to, to gather together and, and just deal with these uh, tough questions and, and work through them together. Find God's hope for our lives. Let us gather as often as we can. One of the weird things about being a Christian is that we make more sense together than we do by ourselves. I mean, we, we can, you can get so far just by, you know, myself with my Bible and God and praying. You know, I, I, I can get so far like that, but really, the gift of the Holy Spirit was given so that we could minister to one another. It's, it's no use me just doing this by myself without having all the people of God to, uh, to encourage me, to challenge me, to, to minister to me, and to, to, to vice versa. We, we, we need each other for that fullness of God's church to, to be kind of made manifest among us, to, to really know God's presence in that real and tangible way in all situations. And last of all, no matter where you are, don't delay. It can be so easy just to, to put these things off and say, in a month, six months, a year, five years, ten years, I will eventually seek God. I will eventually join this or, or do that. We, we kind of have, have, have nice hopes for the future of what we might do in regards to seeking after God. But we have to kind of come to, come to grips with it. The sooner we get over that bridge and start enjoying that green grass, the better. C.S. Lewis once said that uh, Christianity, if false, is of no importance whatsoever. 
And if true, it is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. It can't be a, a moderately important thing that sits behind the convenient things in our lives that we will gather together if it's okay with our you know, with, with work and with children and with um, other like, sports and other priorities. It can be so easy for, for these things to get kind of over, overtaken that actually we, we end up letting the things of God get left behind the other concerns of the world. But really, Jesus always belongs in that place of first importance. That He is the one that orders and brings order, brings hope, brings joy to these other things of our lives. It's, it's hard to, to fit them together sometimes. But if we trust him to him, he will find a way. It's not something that we can sit on the fence about. The gospel is challenging. The gospel is outrageous in, in what it really means and how it really impacts us. Because do you know, this is, this is news that has already changed the world. I mean, we look around and we often look at the world. It's, it's broken. It's messed up. There's all sorts of problems out there. But... If you look back through history, the church, Jesus through us, has already changed the world. Over centuries, we have built schools, hospitals, orphanages. We have cared for the poor. We, we taught the poor of Europe to read and the world far beyond that. Jesus has already been ministering to the world through his church across many centuries. We, in fact, we have human rights today because of the Christian belief that grew up with our society that we are made in the image of God and have certain indelible, inalienable rights because we are children of God. The world is sinful, it is broken, it is messed up in many ways, but the very best things of this world belong to Jesus and they have been brought in through his church. May our lives be one of those very best things. The kingdom of God is about the rescue and redemption of gossips, liars, rapists, murderers, adulterers, the very worst things that we can be, the very worst things of our hearts, that through Jesus' death on the cross that these things can be atoned for, we can be washed as white as snow. He died so that we could be free from the fear of death. He rose from the grave and demonstrated that it had no power over him and over his children. He gave his Holy Spirit so that we could experience that hope, that power in our daily life. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. Amen.